tonight. Um, we're thinking about the verse that we think about often. That Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? You know, there's some places in the Bible where you hear things being said that kind of stick out like a sore thumb. And this is one of those statements, they say, Jesus saying, will he find faith on earth when he comes? And certainly he will, because he said one will be taken, one will be left behind. And so there's, there's going to be people that are going to be, those which are alive and remain in Christ, there is going to be faith on the earth. So why is he saying that? What is the purpose of him making a statement like that? And the purpose, it would seem, is that he's throwing a challenge out to us, that in troublesome times, in times of tribulation, are you going to trust me then? In times, in end times, the time before he comes, he's talking about when he comes, the time before he comes, is there people who are going to still take him at his word? Or just going to look at it as words from an old book? Are they going to be questioning it and being doubtful? Are they really going to believe it? And if you remember, he said that at the end of the parable of the persistent widow. And that whole parable was about this, this woman who kept on asking the judge for help from, from her enemy, and the judge wouldn't do it. Finally, because she kept on persisting, and she wouldn't give up, and she kept on persisting, finally the judge just said, i got to get rid of this woman. I, don't, I could care less about her. I don't fear God. I just got to get rid of this woman. And the unjust judge would do that. What would God do for us? And so Jesus tells us this parable. It's about that we should pray always and not give up. This is real. Faith is a real, intangible su substance. We can't see with our eyes <coughs> in many ways, but there is a way that we can see faith. You remember when Jesus was preaching in a house that they lowered a paralytic down in a stretcher from the roof because they couldn't get in. The, the house was so crowded they couldn't get near the house to get this, this paralyzed guy to Jesus. So they lowered him down through the roof. And Jesus, it says he looked up and it says he saw their faith. Faith is something we can see in ourselves and in others. We can see when people are doing something because they believe they will receive the reward for it. And so when Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? We talked in, in recent weeks about how that the time before Jesus returns would be a troublesome time. It'd be a, a time of great trouble on the earth. There'd be all kinds of things going on, and we talked on and on about that. But the question that Jesus says to all this is when you see all these things happening, even in a time like that, in a time of trouble like this, are you still going to trust me? Are you still going to believe on me? Are you going to still trust me for your problems? Are you still going to trust me for your safety? Are you still going to trust me for your well-being? Are you still going to trust me for have your needs met? even in times of tribulation. 
So from there, I'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 8. Beginning in verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is home, lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and he and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. This, the one thing that sticks out to you, to me I should say, in this passage is something very simple and basic that's necessary for us as a Christian to walk by faith. And that is, here it is. Jesus said, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done to you. He said those words to the centurion, and he left. He went away, went back, and he found out his servant was healed. He, Jesus was going to come with him, like others pleaded with him, come to my house, my daughter is sick and pointed out. Others said, come to my house. This man didn't need it. All he needed to do was hear the word of the Lord, and that was good enough for him. And he, would, he would take him at his word. And that is a message to all of us, that what the Lord says, that we take him at his word. Because we don't have Jesus walking around physically like at this time here we read in the New Testament, in, in, in physical form, so that we can see him and say, Hey Jesus, come to my house and, and fix all my problems, and my, my son is sick, or my, my, my wife is, uh, you know, not walking right, and my, my daughter's not right, and this isn't right. Can you come to my house and fix it? We don't have that kind of luxury, and this centurion <coughs> did have that luxury, and he said, I don't need that. If you say that you'll do it, that's good enough for me. I'll take you at your word. And so we have to look at what God's word here, that he's speaking to us. And let it be enough for us. God says it, we believe it, and that settles it. And that's where faith comes in, having faith in the Word of God. Because after he asked, after Jesus said, uh, go your way, your servant, as you believe, let it be done to you, he didn't see the servant healed. But it was good enough that he took his word and that you know, that God was going to heal him. The next one is in verse 23. 
Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great storm arose on the sea, so the boat was covered with the waves, and when he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? For you have little faith. In this passage, it seems to the natural mind like Jesus is being unfair. After all, in one of the in one of the gospel accounts, it says the boat was filling up with water. And I've shared with you before, I was at a storm at sea in a, a small sailboat one time. And I'll tell you what, it was scary. Oh, yeah. And I was a young believer, it was scary. But... <clears throat> I was just, by the way, I, I've probably been a Christian for about a year or two, one year. I was just as scared as these disciples here. I just, wasn't so scared, but I was sick enough to throw up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, the boat was covered with waves. And for them to be afraid is the natural thing, right? I mean, who wouldn't feel fear at a time like this, right? But yet Jesus is woken up by them. He's asleep in the boat. And he wakes up. And he tells them, why are you afraid? Why are you so fearful? Oh, you have little faith. He got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. Jesus was putting upon his disciples something that they never experienced before that they were going to have to learn to walk by faith and with the examples like this and incidents like this jesus began to teach them and show them how they were not trusting god and he took them through a whole series of incidents and he confronted them in these different series of incidents about the attitudes of their heart their lack of love, their lack of faith, their lack of concern for their fellow man, things like that. And here is one of those places where they didn't realize the expectation that God was putting on them as disciples of Jesus. But we, we have to recognize that. And that's the question that Jesus puts to us when we don't trust him. You know, we get, we get this feeling of remorse. Boy, I should have trusted God in this situation more, and so on. Jesus said that we should pray always and not give up. You know, did it ever cross your mind how many times Christians were praying and how close they might have been to getting their prayer answered and they gave up? And they lost hope and they lost faith in something they were praying for. How close did they come? We'll never know in this life. But we got to pray through until, the, until we get the answer, just like the widow. You just keep on coming, wave after wave after wave, day after day after day of prayer. It's not fruitless. We will reap the reward <coughs> of our faith if we don't give up if we don't faint and give up. 
Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Now, when Jesus said that, I can imagine, I can't say this is what happened, but I can imagine them saying, what do you mean? Don't you see what's going on here? The boat's full of water and the, and the wind's blowing like crazy and we're about to die and you're asking us, you're saying we don't have any faith. But then when Jesus stopped the winds and the wave and everything was calm, they said, who is this that can controls even the winds and the sea? The winds and the sea obey him. It was a realization of the greatness of the power of God and how it was present. The power of God is still present. But like these disciples, we may be disciples of Jesus who don't recognize the nearness of God. His power is real. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to our faith. Let it be done unto us. According to the power that was that's within us. And we see an example of that in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he came into the house, the blind man came to him. And Jesus said to him, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their eyes were opened. You see, there's, there's a direct connection to what we believe and what we receive. Believe and receive, they're words that rhyme with each other. Believe and receive. If you don't believe, you don't receive. If you do believe, you will receive, according to God's way. In verse 22 of the same chapter, the woman reaches out to Jesus. She's ill and she's healed. And Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. She was ill and it says her faith made her well. Her faith, it doesn't mean she healed herself. Her faith, not in faith, but her faith in God answering her prayer. Her faith in God helping her was what God responded to. And that's God made her well because of her faith. That's why Jesus said, your faith has made you well. So, the next one is in Matthew 14.
verse 25. Matthew 14, 25. Now the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it's I, don't be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. <clears throat> and when Peter had come down and out of the water, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw <clears throat> that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. <clears throat> In this passage, this is a great passage because we are told to walk by faith. And when we see Peter out walking in the water, he's, this is an example of walking by faith. He's certainly not walking according to the natural uh, uh, rules of nature, that's for sure. He saw, sees Jesus walk in the water. He says, Lord, if it's you, let me get out of this boat and walk to you. Jesus, come on out. There's Peter. He's out walking on the water. There he goes. And that's what happens with us. When we believe God's word and God says, come on, walk by faith. And we get out from our security blanket and our natural reasoning or anything else. And there we are. We're out walking by faith. Here we are. We're out there walking. And all of a sudden, Peter sees the wind. And down he goes. He starts sinking. He saw the natural elements. He started using natural reasoning. Fear gripped him. And his faith that he was walking in started to sink. And this is exactly what happens to us. God's telling us, come on out. Come away from your natural carnal mind and walk by faith. Trust me. So we're taking out, we're walking on water, so to speak, in a figurative sense. And we're out there walking on water. And what do we see? We see that things are still the same, that there's, there's all these trials that are coming, and it seems to be getting worse. And then what happens? Down goes our faith. Just like Peter going down, sinking in the water, there goes our faith, sinking in the water. And there we go, sinking from that higher plane of trusting God and walking by faith. And then we go down, and we're walking again by our natural reasoning. There we go. We're walking by our natural reasoning, and carnal mind, and everything else. And it's important to recognize that and get out of that place, because we are commanded by God. He doesn't ask us to walk by faith. It is the Lord's will. It's his command to walk by faith, to live by faith. That means, just like the centurions he heard the word of God, and that was good enough for him. And so he walked by it. He lived by it. He recognized the authority of Jesus. He says, I'm a man of authority. I tell people to do something, and they do it, and that's the end of it. 
and he recognized the authority and the power of God in Jesus. The next one is in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. When Jesus comes down from the mountain in verse 17, Mark 9, 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a, a dumb spirit. He means he can't speak because of this evil spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus' answer or response to what the man said was, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Why was Jesus saying, well, why was his response, O faithless generation? It was because his disciples, who he had given authority and power to cast out demons and had done that, this all of a sudden they come to a case where they can't cast them out. And Jesus... He just sounds weary of it, and he says, So faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? And he wasn't being mean, and he wasn't being impatient. What he was doing is he's sending a message. The expectation he has put upon us. Oh, if my people would only believe me. We read in the Old Testament. Oh, if my, only people, my people would only hear me. It's the, same, it's the same tone to it. God so much longs for us to trust him. And his disciples here couldn't cast this demon out. And later on he asked them, well, why couldn't we cast him out? Because Jesus cast him out. He says, because of your faith. Or lack thereof. In one version it says, it's because of your unbelief. They had cast out other demons, and he said, it's because of your unbelief in this particular situation. And so then, so he asked the Father in verse 21, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childbirth, or childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. So this boy who had demons would come upon him and, and do all kinds of evil things to him. So he says, if you can do anything, he says, help us. Have mercy on us and help us. He says, if. And it exposes his unbelief right there. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And so when Jesus saw that the people came running together, 
he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And then the spirit left him. When this man says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, this Jesus answered him, but this wasn't endorsing unbelief. He wasn't saying it was okay to have unbelief. Doesn't mean that if we unbelie have unbelief, that God is going to have compassion on us and answer us. You may. But remember, you see the attitude of Jesus toward unbelief, towards not believing his word. In this particular instance, God helped this man and had compassion on him. And maybe he will for others. But the fact of the matter is, it's compassion if God responds to us when we ask him for anything. But remember, but this man says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And his unbelief was exposed when he said, if you can do anything. When you said, God, if you can do something, that's exposing unbelief already. You're not sure if he can do it or not. Lord, if you can do anything, then help us. Have compassion. See, faith or unbelief can, is something we can see in here. There's little hints to it here and there, and sometimes it's very obvious. Sometimes it's a little more subtle like this. And finally, he says, help my unbelief. He's acknowledging that he's struggling, and God helps him. And finally, when you go to Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 1, Hebrews 11, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Say, so, well, faith is a substance? You think of a substance as something that you can feel, that you can see with your sentence, a substance. And yet it says it is a substance that you can see and you can feel and you can hear. Because it says, goes on to say, it is the evidence of things not seen. Or the confidence of things not seen. Faith is about believing God for things that we don't see. And there's evidence. If we are walking by faith, there is evidence that we're walking by faith. It comes out of our mouth. It comes out in the way we live. <clears throat> it comes out in our attitude comes out in our expression. There's evidence. We should examine ourselves. There's evidence as to whether we're really living by faith, whether we really trust in God. 
We should listen to ourselves a little more carefully. We should watch ourselves carefully. Am I living by faith in this situation? Am I living by faith in that situation? And we begin to review our life, and we should take account and inventory of our life. And if there's areas of our life that we're not living by faith, and you begin to see that, realize that God is putting his finger on that and saying, you're not trusting me over here because you're panicking here. You're not trusting me for your well-being in certain situations. You're not trusting me for your family. You're not trusting me for your marriage. You're not trusting me for this. You're not trusting me in your job. You're not trusting me to take care of you, to protect you. You're not trusting me in dangerous situations. Whatever God is putting his fingers on. And so, is there evidence in our life of faith? And that's what we ask ourselves the question. Are we living by faith? Faith is a substance that can be seen and heard and felt in a tangible way. It says in verse 4, By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. It says in verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What are they talking about here? We were just reading about Abel and about Enoch. It's evidence of their faith. It says, by faith, Abel did this. They were living by faith. They were The things they were doing, they were living by faith. It was evident in their life. It was the substance and it was the evidence. It goes on in verse 7, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. What was he doing? He was living by faith. He was, the, the rains had not come yet. The flood had not come yet. But because he believed God, it says he moved with godly fear and he built an ark to the saving of his household. The things that he was doing was faith in the word of God. It was because of faith in the word of God. He was living a certain way because of what God had said. We have to take that message and look at it when we read the scriptures. The word of God. That the things that God is telling us. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Living by it. And if we live by it, just like we see Noah building the ark, that was some of the evidence of him living by faith. There's, gonna, there's no doubt about it. There's going to be evidence in our life. And it's going to be substantive. It's something that can be seen and felt and heard in our life. 
and others, it'll be a testimony to others. The light of the world. When Jesus said, you are the light of the world, he was speaking to his disciples who believe in him. And why would they be light of the world? Because they're living by faith. They're living and they see the substance. And they see the evidence. They see peace. They see the, attribute, the, the attributes of God. They see the fruit of the Spirit. They see something that shows that we're living by faith. Peter said that people will think it's strange that we don't live in the excessive way that others do. The excessive riot is the way it says in the King James Version. We don't live the wild lifestyle and the, and the, the life of, of corruption that the people of the world do. And what is that? It's evidence. It's evidence that, that there's people that not only fear God, but they're living by faith. They, they, they are trusting God to help them. So that when bad things happen, they're not seeing us in a panic and in a sweat. That we are at peace in times of trial. The evidence, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If we are praying for some something that is God to help us with something... When we pray, we don't see that happening right away most times. It's something we hope for. Because it hasn't happened yet. If it happens, what do we need to hope for it for? That's what the Bible says. Why do we need to trust God for something that he gives us already? Why we, why we need to trust God that money to pay the bill if the money's already in the bank? But if the money isn't in the bank, and we have to pay the bill, then... We need to trust God, and as we trust God, we're trusting God for what we hope for, and that's the money to pay the bill in that particular case. But it can be much more complex and much deeper than just paying a bill, although it includes that. It goes on in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place that he would receive his inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Okay, so what did God actually tell Abraham to do? Tell him to get out of his country. Okay? The Lord says to you, get out of the United States, and go live in Timbuktu in Africa. <laughs> Just go somewhere far away. Well, this is what God told Abraham to do. He said, get, get out of your country. Get out of, get out of this country. And go all the way over the long journey to the land of Canaan. It was full of corrupt people. Demon worship. People sacrificing children, all this horrible stuff under Satan's control. And yet he did it because God told him to do it. And God told him he was going to give him that land. 
He went from a great civilization. The, the Babylonian civilization, he left that. And he went from there to civilization to live amongst barbarian people in an uncivilized land in comparison to where he left from. Go live amongst the barbarians. And trust me, because I'm going to give you this land to you and to your descendants after you. And he went and did it. And it wasn't It was seen that Abraham was living by faith because he went. He did what he was told. It says Abraham obeyed God and went where he was told to go. A place that he didn't know anything about. It says, and he went out not knowing where he was going. In other words, he didn't know about that much about this place. He was sent out, go out there. Lord, what, what can you tell him about this place? Just go. I'm going to give you this place. Go. He went. Trusted God, he went. That was the evidence. That was the substance and the evidence. He, he was responding and obeying God because he was looking for the promises of God to be fulfilled. And he believed what God promised that God was able to, to be good, to come through. That God was going to do what he said. That God was a God of his word. And we get drilled in that over and over and over again through the, through the Bible, both in the Old and the New Testament. And that's why Jesus said, why did you doubt that you have little faith? Why aren't you taking me at my word? Why are you not trusting me? He offers up Isaac. God tells him to go offer up Isaac. He says, by faith. Abraham offered up his son Isaac. We can learn a lot from that. He had only one son from his wife, his only son from his wife, the son of promise, who God said through Isaac and through his descendants, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And he goes, okay, now go up and sacrifice. Goes up and does it. He goes all the way up there, prepares and everything, and God sends an angel to stop him at the last minute. He obeyed God because it says that he reasoned within himself. It says, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead because God had promised, in Isaac shall your descendants be called. So he heard God's word concerning Isaac, that there was a promise that had to happen through Isaac, so that if he offered him up, it says that even if he offered, he concluded that God was going to raise him from the dead. If he offered him up, and if he would offer him up in a sacrifice. And it wasn't a strange thing, because all around him in Canaan, people were doing that because they were worshipping <clears throat> demons. They were offering up even their own children to demons. And killing them. Awful. Horrible. And God told Abraham to do that with his son, but he didn't allow him to go through with it. He was testing him to see if he would trust him, even concerning his own his son Isaac. And it says by faith he did it. He didn't just do it. He did it by faith. He believed God. 
He believed God's promise concerning Isaac to the point where he's even able to go through with that, and he would have done it if the angel didn't stop him. That is faith. That was the evidence. And when he did that, God said, Now I know about Abraham, that he is a, he is a man of faith, that he would do this thing, the son that he loves, because he believes me, he believes my words, to the point that he would obey me even in this. And it goes on saying, by faith, by faith, by faith, all the way down. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt. He was a prince of Egypt. He had all the wealth, all the fame, all the notoriety, and all the glory of Egypt. And he had built cities there. He was a man of great accomplishment. He said he forsook it all. Why? Because of faith. Faith in God. And so, by faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the wall of Jericho came down. Men of God, notoriety, they lived by faith. Doesn't mean they ever stumbled. But men and women of God, the one thing that always stands out to you is that God commends them when they, when they believe him. And he rewards them when they believe him and they trust him. And, it, and that message has to ring true in the heart of us as Christians. That God puts an expectation on his disciples, on the disciples of his son Jesus. Not to use human reasoning instead of faith. Not to be carnally minded. But what God says we have to hang our hat on. We have to live according to what God says. Even more than what we see. Or what we hear. Or our senses. Because that's carnal. The senses are carnal. Not spiritual. We don't see our prayers answered. Until God is ready. We don't see our answers. If we give up. If we faint. And lose heart. How close are we to God answering our prayer? I don't know. Yeah, we don't. So it may be around the corner, maybe a little distance, maybe a marathon. We don't know. But the important thing is, is that God is a God of His Word. What He says, not only is He able to deliver it, but if we believe Him, Oh, he will deliver. So I don't see anything happen. I've been trusting God. I don't see anything happen. Okay. So what does that mean? It means God's waiting for the right time. It says that God will help us speedily. Those of us who cry out to him day and night, though he bears along with us. So, well, why does he bear along with us? What is he doing that for? Why doesn't he just help me now? Because I need help now. Well, God doesn't see as we see. 
If God is delaying, he knows what he's doing. You say you need it now, but God says you need it when, when he says. He's going to help you when he says, not when we say. Not when we demand it, but when he says. God's timing is never off. Sometimes we're off. And sometimes we give up. But if we continue to trust him, as we believe and as we continue to trust him and continue to trust him, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Any brothers want to comment on that, Steve? Any other brothers want to?